Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Off turn number four, racing down the short straightaway in the Daytona 500. Blocking on it, they're crashing, sliding across the grass. Ross Chastain, Austin Sindrick in it. Caution is on the speedway. The white flag was in the air. I'm not sure if the leader passed the start-finish line or not. Yeah, it, it looked like he did. The white flag is waving. We'll have to wait for NASCAR to make this one official. They were crashing as they came to the line. Chief starter, white flag, yellow flag in the left hand. William Byron unofficially was out front when he came across the line. Here they come to the line. Checkered flag is out. Checkered flag is in the air, and William Byron has won the Daytona 500. It's honestly, uh, it's surreal still. I, I can't believe I'm in this position. Um, I'm just trying to take it in, honestly. It's uh it's incredible. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in racing, and I, I had a very different background than everyone I race against, but it just uh, it's a, incredible to be on this stage, have this platform. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Kyle Rickey. Welcome in to another edition of NASCAR Live. I'm Kyle Rickey in for Mike Bagley this week as we reflect on a busy weekend in Daytona and forge ahead to this weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. We'll have a NASCAR Live backtracks on Monday's rain-delayed Daytona 500. NASCAR President Steve Phelps joins the show to provide an update on the state of the sport as the 2024 season is now underway. NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver Nick Sanchez joins the show following his win at Daytona on Friday night, and we preview the race weekend in Atlanta and much more. But first, Susie Armstrong is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Susie? Kyle, the NASCAR Xfinity Series finally got their season underway last night at Daytona International Speedway after the event had been postponed twice due to weather. For a third straight season, Austin Hill and Richard Childress Racing claimed the checkers in the opener. The victory wasn't an easy one, though. Hill had to overcome an incident he was involved in on lap 37 and then was plagued by struggles on pit road, all of which failed to hold the team back when it mattered most. My spotter, Derek's like, hey, we got to just make some stuff happen. And we got to make some moves go and the middle lane kind of opened up and when it did I mean I just kind of shot out of a rocket it felt like drove all the way to <laughs> all the way to the 32 car pushed him 
up to the lead eventually and then the caution came out from behind us and I haven't seen the replay yet I just know that it felt like he was very close to hitting me in the right rear so uh, that was one of those like lucky kind of situations where I was just in the right place right time missed the wreck and was able to go on and, and get the win when it mattered the win marked the seventh of Hill's career five of which have come on super speedways in other news Kyle Busch's Craftsman Truck Series schedule has been announced the series all-time winningest driver will compete in five events this season piloting the seven truck for Spire Motorsports which starts this weekend in Atlanta the rest of Bush's slate includes Vegas the spring Bristol event Texas and Darlington and Chris Hacker who raced in the truck and Xfinity series last year was involved in a serious accident on his way to Daytona even though he sustained multiple injuries the driver is now stable and is expected to have a full recovery Hacker was not scheduled to compete in last weekend's events. Kyle? Thanks, Susie. Coming up, we relive the 66th running of the Daytona 500. Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Mother Nature was at work over the weekend in Daytona as the 66th running of the Great American Race was delayed to a President's Day start on Monday evening. While a day late, the Daytona 500 delivered all the thrills and drama we've come to know throughout the years. Let's relive all the action on another edition of NASCAR Live Backtracks. Pace car heads for the pit lane. The field in control now. Shannon Bednarik and the green flag goes in the air. Joey Logano, the pole sitter, opts to start the race from the outside lane. And the 66th renewal of the Great American Race is underway. Logano and Michael McDowell on the front row. Leaders running the middle groove. McDowell run. Oh, we got one turned around. It's Harrison Burton. He will slide through the ball field. One other car. Carson Hosevar involved. And now they tangle right here at the start finish line one car spinning down and making contact with the inside retaining wall Harrison Burton got it started off of turn four one car got himself in a little bit of trouble was Ryan Blaney the whole Ford Penske clan pitted and when they left Blaney could not hold on to the back of the draft they drove away from him he's out there running around by himself right now he's fallen all the way back to the 32nd position and he's not in a good position right now because nobody to draft with currently side by side for position Position number four. Only three cars on the bottom of the racetrack led by Kyle Busch. Now that changes. Here comes Chastain. He'll pull to the inside of Bowman for third. Byron goes with him. Busch and Bubba are there as well. The top two Hendrick Motorsports teammates drop to that bottom lane as well. Chase Elliott leads Kyle Larson by about a car length with Chastain all over his back bumper. This is all Chevys and Toyotas. There's not a Ford in this bunch. Side by side. Five rows deep at the line. Chase Elliott over his team. Teammate Kyle Larson by mere inches, so it's Elliott picking up the stage win. Josh Berry, he absolutely spun the car into his box. He's currently kind of backwards in his box. He's going to have to win. 
flip it back around. Wow, just disaster for Jawsbury down here. Bush needs a little more help up high. Here they come, side by side, off two. Leaning on each other to the Daytona super stretch. Nobody busting out of line in three wide territory. Austin Cindric going to crowd Kyle Bush up against the wall. They continue wheel to wheel for the lead again. Cindric out front. Controlled chaos, still two by two, just about all the way through this pack. Cindric now gets muscled off the bottom by Ryan Blaney, who goes to the lead as they hit the front stretch. Boy, what a move by Blaney. Very aggressive on his teammate. Here they come. Green and white. Checkered flag is out. Pay window is open, and Ryan Blaney is going to get there first. Ryan Blaney comes across the line. He scores the stage win. Kyle Busch still limping around the bottom of the racetrack. Jason Toy, what's the problem? The lug, a single lug that worked with these race cars, did not get attached. There's usually teeth on the, or they're always, always teeth on the inside there. When that lug does not match up with those teeth, it's going to stay there and spin off. That's exactly what happened with Kyle Busch. That lug spun off. Right now, he's trying to keep that tire on the race car without tearing up the race car. But also, too, if it comes off, it's going to hurt him penalty-wise with his crew coming up next week. So they're wanting to keep it on. He's going slow. But there is a lot of sparks coming from the front end because he's dragging the nose. They just told him when we get here, we're going to check that. But also make sure that there's no damage underneath from him dragging that nose. 46 laps to go in the Daytona 500. 35 different lead changes. At the moment, it is Denny Hamlin battling Kyle Busch for the lead. There have been no interludes at all in this one. There has been no riding, very little single file, very little sit back and wait. Mike Bagley has been nose to nose all the way. Everybody right now literally elbows up. And Denny Hamlin has gone from the back of the pack all the way to the front. And he leads right now by half a car lane. Behind him, they're side by side. Kyle Busch was next to Corey LaJoy for second. He wants the lead. Dips to the bottom. Pulls fully alongside Hamlin. On the Back out front with 35 to go. He came from fifth to first in one lap. Joey Logano leading. Logano continues to lead. Side by side right behind David Reagan and Denny Hamlin. Boy, there have been a number of drivers in the last 10 or 12 laps take their crack at Joey Logano. Very few have been able to run with him. Denny Hamlin's got that top lane again. He's going to give it another try. Joey slides up, puts a little bit of a block on and then right back to the bottom. It's not a pronounced block, but it is a block nonetheless. Logano will start on the bottom when Hamlin inches forward. He'll ease over driver's right chopped him off and he did exactly that. They're going to side draft off of one another but Ross Chastain has got a strong Ford behind him in the form of Joey Logano is going to shove him to the race lead. Down to it here with 12 laps to go and Logano on the back bumper of Chastain. Manufacturer loyalty at least for the moment is out the window. It all comes down to who, who can get you to the front of the pack the fastest. Chastain's got the lead. Blocks Logano down low. Slides up to block Brad Keselowski in the outside. Here's Thunder up the back straightaway. Michael McDowell is way off the pace. Not sure if he's going to be able to get back. Now he comes to life as Logano steps to the outside and leads by a fender. He put the crossover on Chastain. He helped him to the front and then helped himself to the race leader trying to. He's got another forward behind him. Logano does in the outside lane. That's Keselowski just flexes some muscle. He'll power to the inside of Logano at a two. He'll slide up in front of Logano on the back straightaway. Brad starts a move against Chastain, and he gets turned. There they go, the big one in three. Look at base 
basically the entire pack is collected. Brad Keselowski gets turned, and Dylan Welch, there's at least a dozen, 15 cars crashing and colliding in three. Now I've counted seven cars that have gone by without an incident or without a scrape on them. Christopher Bell, the last one to go by, has damaged his right rear. Every other car behind the top seven somehow got a piece of that one. A lot of them are still moving, but a lot of them are not. Four laps to go here in Daytona. Lights out on the pace car as we get set to go back under the green flag. Eight of the top ten are Chevrolet Camaros. You've got the Sport of Cindric in fourth, the Toyota of Bell in sixth. Green flag goes back in the air, and here we go. Inside lane, that's going to be William Byron. Top side, it is the Bushlight Chevrolet of Ross Chastain. Single file formation up front. It is William Byron in command of the lane down low. Here they go. They're jostling around behind him. Cindric took a peek. Nothing. You got Corey LaJoy taking a peek, but here comes Chastain. He is storming back. Alex Bowman right behind him, as is Christopher Bell. Bubba Wallace there as well. But the top two, single file, Byron and Cindric. Off turn number four. Racing down the short straightaway in the Daytona 500. Blocking on it. They're crashing. Sliding across the grass. Ross Chastain. Austin Cindric get in it. Caution is on the speedway. The white flag was in the air. I'm not sure if the leader passed the start-finish line or not. Yeah, it, it looked like he did. The white flag is waving. We'll have to wait for NASCAR to make this one official. They were crashing as they came to the line. Chief starter, white flag, yellow flag in the left hand. William Byron unofficially was out front when he came across the line in the Chevrolet. He had his teammate right behind. We'll watch. We'll wait. Right now, it's the caution flag and the caution flag only that is flying or uh, flying. And we understand now from NASCAR that William Byron did take the white flag. He needs to make one more trip around the racetrack. Here they come to the line. Checkered flag is out. Checkered flag is in the air, and William Byron has won the Daytona 500. William Byron out front when it mattered the most as they began crashing behind him. The winner of the 66th running of the Daytona 500 is William Byron. Coming up, NASCAR president Steve Phelps joins the show. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Following a busy weekend in Daytona, the 2024 NASCAR season is officially underway. It should be another exciting season across each series as the exposure of the sport continues to grow with the up-and-coming media rights deal starting in 2025 and an ongoing Netflix series that has recently been released. MRN's Alex Hayden sat down with the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps, at Daytona to discuss the state of the sport entering the rest of the 2024 season. Let's start by reflecting on year 75 of this great sport. How great was last year from your vantage point watching everything unfold? 
No, listen, I'm super, I'm super biased, but uh, I thought last year was extraordinary on so many levels. Um, you know, we started off obviously with, with the second year of the clash, and um, you know the LA market's super important for us. Um, and but starting off there is unique. You know, six hours of Fox. It's it's just kind of a postcard and a love letter to NASCAR to kick us off. Obviously the the uh, 65th running of the Daytona 500 last year, and to have a you know, a single car team win and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and JTG Doherty. I mean, what a way to start the season, right? And then it's hard to peck out other moments that are that rise above, but there are a couple that did for me. Obviously, going back to North Wilkesboro with the All-Star Race. Uh, and then our first ever sh- uh, street race at Chicago um, with the seven inches of rain we got on that Sunday. And it was uh, it was extraordinary that we got that race in. But uh, And then, you know, just watching the storylines unfold and then a great champion coming out of Phoenix and Ryan Blaney. So all in all, if I could go back at the beginning of last season and say, hey, would you take this season? I'd take that season 10 times out of 10. And here we go, kicking off the 76 season, uh, the Bushlight Clash in the L.A. Coliseum. Not exactly the circumstances anybody wanted, but here we are at Daytona. And for a lot of people, they feel like, okay, this is the start of the season. The points start getting paid out for the championship. And we've had a chance to visit already with a handful of drivers today talking about some of their superstitions, some of their rituals, and quite frankly, some of their quirks. What about the president of NASCAR? When you start a season, do you have any superstitions or quirks or anything of that nature that that you have to go through? So I don't, um, but I will tell one about a driver that I wanted to, to make sure we had an opportunity to kick things off the way it did last year. So last year, I got a call from Ryan Blaney, and there's a, there's a restaurant in town, and he wanted to bring Gianna to, for Valentine's Day to this restaurant. So I called up the owner, and, and she said, well, I can get him in. That's fine, um, which I did, and I paid for his meal. Um, and so he called me a couple of weeks ago. Hey, can you get me you know, a reservation at the cellar again? And I said, absolutely. And so I... I actually went there last night, and the superstition, I'm like, listen, I have to buy your meal again because that's that we had to start things off. It's a repetition thing, right? And he's like, I appreciate you doing so. So no superstitions for me, but I was trying to help Ryan Blaney out. We got a chance to, to not only witness in person at the L.A. Coliseum the NASCAR Mexico Series, but here on the Motor Racing Network, we had the privilege of broadcasting that race, and it was phenomenal. NASCAR Brazil becomes the fourth international NASCAR series now. How important is the international market, and where do you foresee that going with the sport of NASCAR racing? Yeah, for us, and I think there's there are a lot of fans that don't know that we've got four series. So Brazil uh, came online last year. Um, really great partnership with the folks in Brazil. Really excited about what that can mean for our sport. They have a great tradition rich history of motorsports in that country well why not nascar because we have better racing than the other you know any other motorsport so we're excited about that we've been racing in canada for decades uh, in that series mexico for a long time as well and then in europe um, we're looking to expand that honestly we're having discussions with other countries there'll be i don't know six different countries coming here to the daytona 500 who we're having discussions with about different types of opportunities within their country. Um, I think it's super fertile ground for us. Listen, we've got tremendous growth opportunities here domestically in the States. Um, but 
really the opportunities outside are, are limitless. Um, and we are going to be we're going to be smart about how we grow. We think doing grassroots racing from a country standpoint is important. It develops drivers, it develops owners, and it, it develops a fan base in that country. Um, and we've seen that. You know, Daniel Suarez, who obviously won the Mexico race at the LA Coliseum, um, he is a product of the Mexico series, a champion in that series, and an Xfinity champion, and a winner in the Cup series. That's important for us, right? We need to we need to have different personalities, and Daniel is one of those. I don't. There's listen. We got a lot of great guys, right? But you'd be hard pressed to find a guy who's nicer than Daniel Suarez. I mean, he's just a great human being, and you know, we are. You know, when he won at Sonoma, it was it was exciting for the sport, right? You, we're bringing new audience to the sport, which is great. So. I think the cool thing is that I remember listening to Sirius X1, XM one time and I, you know, this gentleman was a long-term fan and hearing his love for Daniel Suarez on the, on the radio really warmed my heart. It's like, okay, he can connect, right? Other people can connect that don't you know, look or sound like we do, right? And that is important for us. And to showcase the Mexico Series in Los Angeles downtown and the NASCAR Cup Series in that market, which is a hugely important market for business, not just the sport of NASCAR racing. With the development ongoing with Auto Club Speedway of Southern California, what's the plan to try to keep NASCAR racing in the Los Angeles market? Well, listen, it's important. Whether we go back to the LA Coliseum or other opportunities there, I think long-term, um, we will build that short track in Fontana, uh, in the Inland Empire. The LA market, to your point, is important. Um, it's a big market. Our, you know, our one of our major broadcast partners, Fox, is located there. But it's broader than that, right? It is. LA is the number two market for NASCAR fans in terms of total number of NASCAR fans in a DMA, and. That's important, right? New York being one, LA two, those are important markets to nurture. And so are we going to have a presence in, in Southern California next year and beyond? We're going to. Coming up, we'll hear part two of Alex Hayden's conversation with NASCAR president, Steve Phelps. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to no racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Let's get back to Alex Hayden's conversation with NASCAR president, Steve Phelps. When you guys sit down to put together a schedule for NASCAR racing in a previous year, looking ahead to the following year, the announcement of the schedules become an event all in itself, it seems like, with the anticipation. Here in 2024, we're back on the Oval, the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis. Watkins Glen is now a playoff race. We're back on concrete in the spring race at Bristol as well. When you look at the schedule, how challenging is it to make it as exciting and diverse as you possibly can? Well, I think it's important. I think what you've seen you know, in the last three or four years is what we'll call schedule variation. So significant changes, street races, the LA Coliseum, um, 
going to Nashville, going to St. Louis, this year going to Iowa, um, going to you know Elkhart Lake and um, Road America. You know, we are going to continue to be very aggressive in schedule variation, and and honestly, it's not about hey, I'm trying to take a second race from this market and because we're penalizing fans. We're trying to create regional opportunities or unique opportunities from a scheduling standpoint that drive interest. So the Iowa race is sold out. Like it, it was sold out you know, within weeks of us making the announcement. Okay, that, that works for me. We want sellouts everywhere we go. And, you know, so taking that event... Um, from Auto Club and bring it to Iowa. That's great. We had a, we had a sellout at, at Auto Club while we get that you know situation figured out. Uh, kind of not the not if but when, um, and then going to Iowa. But I would say I, I have a prediction for you. Our schedule next year will be the most bold schedule that we have ever had. I believe that to be true, and um, I won't get into the, the where, um, but I think it's. You talk about excite, building excitement, that's going to be amazing. Can't wait for the schedule launch for the 2025 NASCAR season. Your friend, one of your heroes, same with me, the late great NASCAR Hall of Famer Ken Squire. NASCAR racers, his words, common men doing uncommon things. The Netflix series that, that came out, NASCAR Full Speed, gave that behind-the-scenes glimpse of uncommon things happening on the racetrack by common men. Yeah. How important was this series to show our fans, and not just that, potential sponsors, what we have to offer, not just on the racetrack? Yeah, listen, I think the Netflix show, listen, we've been trying to get a, a show on Netflix for a long time. We've done other follow docs, um, and they were great. Um, but the distribution of Netflix is just different, right? The size, the 300 million folks that are you know, that have subscriptions worldwide. It's important for us to have that global audience that they have. And the shows, if you haven't watched it, please watch the show. It's fantastic. It is, you know, the people who are watching here, these are our best and most ardent fans, right? Um, and if you haven't watched it, please watch it because it's just that good. And, you know, seeing these guys that, you know, with their helmets off and, you know, being dads and fathers and you know just regular guys when they're not on the racetrack and then they strap in put their helmet on and and you know strap into the cars and do things that that sane people don't do right like i'm not doing it these guys are crazy right it's insane 200 miles an hour 39 other cars out there just beating and banging on each other it's insane right but they do it right and it is uncommon it is his you, you, you gotta gotta have a little bit of a twisted deal going on. It's just it's the way it is. But this show really opens up the opportunity for us to have people who wouldn't consider NASCAR at all. It's, it's, and really, it's this idea of, hey, that sport's not for me. Well, I'm telling you, it is for us. It, it is for everyone, right? It's welcoming. It's inclusive. It is the just compelling and the racing is the best racing in the world so if we can get someone to touch it and try it taste it and smell it and all of it which is a very sensory experience that is nascar they're coming back and they're going to be a fan for life i'm convinced of that and so if the netflix show or other opportunities like that from a content standpoint bring someone in it's perfect that's exactly what we want final question 
we start our 76th season of NASCAR racing. It's everybody in this sport, from the drivers to the broadcasters to the media to everybody in this sport to continue to spread the message of what NASCAR racing is and how great it is. But every weekend at any given track around the country, the show gets put on. As the president of NASCAR, what would you tell the fans as they get set to experience and witness the 2024 season? Well, I would say this. uh, If history, and when I'm talking about history, I'm just talking about the last couple of years. And listen, a lot of focus on the Cup Series, which I get. But we've got amazing races in all three national series, right? Our Cup Series, our Xfinity Series, and our our, um, Craftsman Truck Series. But we also have great racing in the Arkham Menard series. You know, Arkham Menard's East and West, grassroots racing throughout this country. Come out and experience NASCAR, either the big tracks or the short tracks. Support it. It's it's you're going to have an experience that I think is particularly for people that haven't been in a while. We've spent a lot of money to create a better fan experience for the fans in the Midway and other places. Come experience it again. It, it's it is amazing and then the racing itself we'll just use the cup series i would say the last two years the best racing arguably that we have ever had in our history and the most competitive 19 winners two years ago 15 winners last year but it's not just who's winning and who's not winning like every week anyone can win we've literally never had that like this weekend anyone can win at the daytona 500 Ricky Stenhouse Jr. proved that last year. Single car team for JTG Doherty. I'm excited about it. And come out, right? Watch, participate. We're going to do our part to make sure it's as good as it can be. And I think think if history proves... you know where things are from a racing perspective this year is going to be is you know the best we've ever had i believe that to be true coming up nick sanchez joins the show fresh off of his nascar craftsman truck series season opening win in daytona angie's list is now angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco move fewer words less paper no it was so you could say it faster no it's to be more iconic must be a tech thing But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series season kicked off under the lights at Daytona on Friday night. Coming away victorious in the Fresh from Florida 250 was Rev Racing's Nick Sanchez. Last season, the Miami, Florida native was awarded Sunoco Rookie of the Year, and he's now started his second full-time season on the Truck Series with his first career win. Our Chris Wilner caught up with Sanchez to reflect on his breakthrough moment. Nick Sanchez is a winner at Daytona. Nick, when I say that, and I know it's been a long time coming, what is the first thing that comes to mind now that you'll forever be called a Daytona winner, uh, especially getting your first career win at this hallowed ground? Yeah, well, I mean, it honestly just means I missed the wreck, right? (laughs) Whenever I think of Daytona, I think of wrecking and being involved in it. So it's nice that I finished clean-ish, sort of clean, or just really finished for that fact. But yeah, it's pretty cool. 
if you would have told me I would have gotten my first one at Daytona, I probably would have thought you were lying. <laughs> I think a lot of people would say that too as well. But w- what did it mean to do it right out of the gate this year? I know we talked last year uh, going into the postseason. You wanted to get a win for that team. And, and just, you know, your progression as a race car driver didn't happen. You led like 300 and some laps on your way to rookie of the year. But to come out of the gate and win, you know, and arguably the season's biggest race for you guys, you know, what kind of statement does that make for you and, and that whole Rev Racing team? Yeah, I mean, it's big for myself uh, just as a driver because it shows like a win in the series, right? And last year, um, you know, you have everything to win, right? You have the speed, you have the trucks, the team, and, and it just didn't happen, right? We were close a couple times, and it's frustrating when you have a taste of it, right? You know, two times we led in the last lap last year, and multiple stage wins, you know, hundreds of laps led, most poles, most front rows, like everything everything was pointing like, man, this guy should easily have six to seven wins and our win column was zero. Um, and yet we were, in my opinion, I feel like one of the favorites, but we weren't looked at as a favorite because we had no wins. And I knew this year, right? Like none of that mattered. Holes, none of that mattered. Um, I just had to win. So to get it at Daytona, you know, the first race of the year, and you know, this obviously in this format allows you to just be aggressive. Um, and really, you know, my focus is on Phoenix now and getting there and trying to win every race in between now and then. Take me back to Friday night, though, when you are at the front of the pack. And of course, it was a chaotic race from the drop of the rag. I mean, we saw a record 12 cautions. It seemed like anything trouble was around any turn uh, throughout the course of that race. But you're getting a push for the lead. All of a sudden, you look in your rear view mirror. We got one upside down. What's going through your head uh, on the white flag lap? Did you know you had it at that point? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I had it at that point. And really, you know, I didn't have a strategy or a plan the whole race. Didn't want to because I feel like you're better that way. Um, the only thing, you know, me and my team, me and my spotter, Derek Nealon, uh, knew that we had to do is lead in the last lap, right? Like, if we lead in the, on the last lap, they're probably going to wreck on the backstretch, right? And I say that not being mean, but, like, they're probably going to wreck on the backstretch. It, it's <laughs> bound to happen, and sure enough, they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was about the only thing all race that was planned. And, yeah, it worked out perfect. So, like, I knew uh, I didn't even need to see the caution lights out, right? You know, I look at my rearview mirror and there's someone flying through the air. I'm pretty sure they're going to throw the caution. So, at that point, like, I just it's kind of a relief, right? Because I've been in that spot many times before. Uh, honestly, at Atlanta, I was kind of waiting on a caution and I didn't get it. And then I got passed going into three on in the final lap. So I've been in that spot many times and, you know, the feeling of almost having it, it then not having it is definitely a crappy feeling. So to finally get one and at a place like Daytona, first race of the year, it's, it's huge. So, but early on in that race, your race was almost over on lap six. I mean, you got caught up in that big one early on in the race. Describe the mentality you have to switch from, okay, now we're, you know, we've got a fast truck right off the gate to, okay, we got to just make sure we keep this thing clean the rest of the way and then get in position at the end. Cause you know, a couple different angles of different trucks crashing, your night could have been over. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for a second there, I was like, well, there, well, I guess I'm in a points hole now. And yeah, it was definitely weird. Right. Cause I, I, I got tagged from behind, you know, and it was a wreck that happened about a row and a half behind me. So it's not very often do you get a wreck that makes its way up to you, but you know, people hitting people and then it kind of gets the next guy and the next guy. And I was, you know, the lucky one to get hit. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, it just, it worked out right. I spun, I had three flat tires, but my front tires were flat. 
thought I was going to absolutely demolish the truck uh, once I hit the grass, and I, it, it didn't. And you know, very fortunate I didn't get hit by anyone that was spinning as well. But yeah, you know, after that, that's kind of like a warm up, right? Like every those six laps were a warm up, and then you kind of get spun out, and then everything becomes easier because you it can't get any worse in, in in that regard, right? So it sucked, but honestly, in a way, I was kind of fired up after because I'm like, okay, kind of use that. Look one of my nine lives um, on that. And now like, let's go race. So honestly, we didn't play a safe all race. I would say we were pretty, we were aggressive, but I feel like we didn't put ourselves in position to be wrecked and we didn't put anyone else in a position to be wrecked. And I feel like that's all you could do in this, in this uh, series of that track. And yeah, we took runs and, you know, we, we drove to the front multiple times, not off strategy. You know, our truck was fast, even with the left rear damage. I think we led the, led the most laps, so that stuff like that matters, right? When people look back on the race, right? Did he win it in the last lap? Did he luck into it? I think we took control of the race, and, you know, it's big thanks to my team on on and off pit road, great, really fast truck. I feel like our truck led lanes better than any other truck. Um, and yeah, it was just a whole team effort and it wasn't easy, right? It was a grind, right? I got out of the truck. I had grass all over me. I was dirty and it's the way you want to win races, right? You want to grind it out. You get to do it all over again as we wrap this up with Atlanta because we kind of have a unique situation going back to back kind of these speedway style drafting tracks. Although Atlanta is a completely different animal. You finished second there last year. An opportunity to go 2-0. and So what do you learn from Daytona to take on Atlanta here this weekend? I think, you know, the best thing to learn from Daytona is have no plan, right? You know, I, I kind of kind of winged it I didn't I kind of took every run I got you know I knew when it was time to ramp it up and when it time when it was time not to and then you know the communication with my spotter Derek Nealon right you know Atlanta last year was definitely a turning point in our relationship because I that's the race I really learned to trust him as a spotter and you know he told me what to do and I did it without question or hesitation and you know from there on out I feel like on the drafting track we built a good relationship right Vega last year we led the most laps we controlled the race until I got a penalty at the end for lagging back and Daytona I think we did the same thing at the end of the race so Atlanta in my eyes shouldn't be any different I know my trucks should be really really fast um and Hopefully, you know, come out on top again. Yeah, and he's one of the best in the business, Derek Nealon, that's for sure. He had a really good run at Daytona as well with Austin Hill uh, last night getting the win. Uh, Before I let you go, so now that you've got this first win under your belt, obviously playoffs, you're already locked in for that. Does that change your kind of game plan, big picture-wise, the rest of the season? Obviously, the goal is just to win every week, but, you know, how does that change kind of your mentality now that knowing that you don't have to sit here and race for points the rest of the season like you did last year to get in, now you're, you're already in? It's huge for me, right? Because I feel like as a driver, I'm at, I'm at my best when I'm just let loose, right? You know, if I make a mistake, let me make it. And I want to be aggressive. I want to take risks, take chances. And, you know, this allows us, obviously, you know, we go to Kansas, uh, Martinsville, and Bristol. Those are the only tracks we go to twice. But those three tracks are also in the playoffs, right? So it'll, it gives you the opportunity to go to those tracks. And, you know, you might try something a little bit out of the box uh, to see if it'll help you for the playoffs, right? Because you can't, you can't stay stagnant. I know I had success there last year, but you can't stay stagnant. You, you got to keep pushing. So we could try some things in the on the on the truck setup wise, but also as a driver, I could just be aggressive, right? Like Coda, you're probably gonna have to flip a stage if you want to win it. So I'm in position to not have to worry about those stage points and go for uh, five playoff points and trophies. And you know, between here and the start of the playoffs, I just want to rack up as many playoff points as possible. 
uh, to just kind of have a smooth ride to Phoenix and then, yeah, go for it all there. All right, Bat in a Thousand 2024. Nick, best of luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Coming up, we'll preview the race weekend ahead in Atlanta. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. After a long speed weeks in Daytona, the NASCAR world will head to the Peach State to race at the Atlanta Motor Speedway for yet another weekend of super speedway racing. How will drivers use their experience at Daytona to lead the field at Atlanta? Our Kurt Becker is here with some of the drivers' thoughts ahead of this weekend at AMS. After a rainy and extended stay at the World Center of Racing, the focus on NASCAR's top three series moves northwest to the Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. Following the biggest victory of his career, the spotlight will be shining brightly on William Byron. Fresh off a win in the Daytona 500, Byron heads to a layout where he is the only two-time winner since the track was reconfigured into a super speedway intermediate hybrid. As for the reason why Byron and his 24 team have been successful at the revamped Atlanta, he says they have found the right combination in terms of both speed and handling. We've had a good combination of handling and, and speed. I feel like that track suits us because it, it does take some handling and it takes some, some characteristics that not just a super speedway takes. So we've just been able to capitalize on that. And I feel like my spotter is really good at, at managing that racetrack. It, things happen really fast and he's able to, to process it all. So I think we've just done, done a good job, honestly. And it's a little bit easier to manage you know, two wide versus you know three wide at a place like Talladega or, or Daytona. For the first time in five years, Atlanta returns to its former spot on the schedule, the weekend succeeding Daytona. So the season now starts with what are essentially back-to-back drafting-style races. Some drivers and teams have been nervous about this situation, given that one could lose precious ground to start the year just by being involved in the big crashes that this style of racing can produce. And while Eric Jones admits that it makes for a significant challenge, he says one must consider the alternate possibility that one could start his season on a high note. You always had the chance to go and pick it back up the next week in Fontana or, or wherever we were going to go. And even when it was Atlanta, the old Atlanta, you had a chance to do it there. But now two more wild card ones. And Atlanta's becoming an extreme wild card, you know, after watching the summer race, being in the summer race last year. So it's tough. But at the same time, I think the best way you can look at it is a good chance for us where we are as a team right now with what we're trying to build to, you know, just fire off and gain a lot of points. And, you know, then if we go to Vegas and Phoenix and struggle, hopefully we had two really good speed races to start it. One driver who was extremely close to starting his season on the highest note possible was Austin Sendrick. After being in contention throughout the race, Sendrick was caught up in an accident as the white flag flew in the Daytona 500. Sendrick is excited to get back to Atlanta, though, and after missing the playoffs last year, he views this weekend as an opportunity to lock up a playoff berth 
for 2024. We had two really good Atlanta races uh, last year, both both in the spring and in, in the summer. Obviously, that's a place that I feel like we had our heads wrapped around pretty well last year, not just from a qualifying speed standpoint, but from, from a raceability standpoint, um, you know, leading laps in both. And I uh, felt like we had a really good shot to win the summer race. Uh, for, for me, I, I, yeah, curious to see if that translates over. Obviously, we have a lot of changes, you know, coming in, into the new season with, you know, kind of a new body kit and uh, aero package there from, from a forward perspective. But uh, I think it'll be a great opportunity race for us, really, you know, early, early part of the season, Daytona and, and Atlanta. Brad Keselowski came up just short of beating the Team Penske freight train of Joey Logano, Brian Blaney, and Cendric at Atlanta last year and should be one of the favorites to win this weekend. And while the style of racing we see will be similar to what we saw at Daytona, Keselowski explains the subtle differences in what it takes to be good at this version of the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Daytona and Talladega, you know, the cars push a lot and, you know, you beat and bang a little bit more. Uh, Where I think Atlanta, you have to find a way to make moves on your own. Where Daytona and Talladega is like, oh, if I don't solicit the right help, I ain't getting this done. Atlanta is, is a little bit more about the moves you make. Another driver in the Ford stable who is hoping for a big weekend in Atlanta is Harrison Burton. And after being involved in an early crash in the Daytona 500, he needs a big weekend. Burton seems to have a grasp of how to run these races well, though, and speaks of how the racing at Atlanta has evolved entering the fifth race on this configuration. I remember the first time on the repave in practice, it was like the most chaotic thing I've ever been a part of. Like, people were making moves that I would was like, this is sketchy. Like, in practice, we were making, we had like a race going on because everyone was trying to figure out you know how it was going to run and and i remember being like three wide larson was putting guys three wide and he was in the middle uh in the middle of practice like trying to surprise people and try and learn what moves work and i remember that being like one of the wildest practice sessions i've ever been a part of now it's just atlanta i don't think people are nervous about it anymore i don't think there's any like reservations about it i think guys are just trying to figure out the best way to to go win the race now instead of kind of bringing up questions about what's going to happen. You know, once that switch happens, I think the racing tends to get a lot better. One other driver caught up in that early crash at Daytona, Austin Dillon. Given the fact that Dillon is a multi-time super speedway winner in NASCAR, one might expect him to have a bounce back weekend. Dylan says, though, that he's still got a lot of work to do to be good at Atlanta. Well, I haven't been successful at Atlanta, so I got to go to work on that one. Atlanta's been really weird, and it's still changing. You know, I think the track's getting, with another winter on it, it could be slicker, and uh, but we're going to be there, and it'll probably be cold, and you'll have grip, so you, you'll be in between trying to take it down, as much downforce as you can, or drag and out, and we'll try and choose a path, but, uh, you know, we just haven't been great there yet, so we got to figure it out. So can Byron keep his momentum going and score yet? another Atlanta victory? Or will someone from the Ford or Toyota camp have a race to remember? We will learn the answers to those questions in Sunday's and Better Health 400. Thanks, Kurt. Coming up, we'll take a listen to the first episode of NASCAR Live Presents 2004 Chasing History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Over the next 10 weeks, we'll be chronicling the 2004 Nextel Cup Series season and all of the many changes and defining events that occurred during that year. 
Episode 1 has been released, so let's take a quick listen to the debut episode. Coming off turn 4 to the line to settle the Daytona 500, Dale Earnhardt Jr. pulls down to the start-finish line. He will win the 46th running of the Great American Race. It'll be his ninth Super Speedway victory, his second win at the World Center of Racing. DEI does it again. What occurred after Junior took the checkers was incredible. And standing in victory lane, taking in the celebration, was our Winston Kelly. I don't remember if I had their pit then and, you know, if I would have talked to Tony Jr. But I do remember uh, of that win at Daytona, the 2014 win at Daytona, and when he won in 2010 in the nationwide race in a car that was a Wrangler car that was in honor of his dad going into the Hall of Fame. Those were three Dale Earnhardt Jr. victory lanes at Daytona that got his emotion. i tell you what, the Budweiser was slowing at Phoenix, but nothing like today. Dale Earnhardt Jr., you are a Daytona 500 champion. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. It's awesome. What a great race. I mean... It was awesome. I couldn't believe the pack got spread out like it did. And uh, the more the pack got spread out, the more I became worried because Tony's going to get harder and harder to pass with less people helping me. He had a great car, and we worked great together all day long to try to stay toward the front and try to help each other when we could. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy as hell to win the Daytona 500, and I'm glad I got to race my buddy Tony Stewart for the win. I'm glad Michael's okay. That was a scary-looking accident, and uh, this has got to be the greatest day of my life. Check out NASCAR Live Presents 2004 Chasing History every Monday wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That'll do it for this week's edition of NASCAR Live. A big thank you to NASCAR President Steve Phelps and Craftsman Truck Series season opening winner Nick Sanchez as we button up Speed Week's 2024 in Daytona. Mike Bagley will be back next week. I'm Kyle Rickey. We'll talk to you then here on the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Network.